question I want to ask you guys today is what is your that something? What is your something? What is your thing that drives you? What are you why are you here? Right? Everybody's got a reason that they're here. <clears throat> and yeah, you can say, well, it's because I want to make money or I didn't get into this school or whatever other kind of thing. But there's really a reason that's behind everything that drives you. And obviously, you kind of know what my thing is. And I'm going to just read to you once again a couple of articles that I just happened to find just scouring the news and getting things sent to me. So this is from this week. The U.S. Preventative Task Services Task Force recommends a screening for anxiety in children and adolescents. Children and adolescents, 8 to 18 years, this uh, company recommends screening for anxiety in children for these kids from age 18 to uh, 8 to 18 years. That means that what they're concerned about is like, Every kid in America has some sort of anxiety, and we need to look out for this. A mom came into me yesterday with her kids, her first visit, new patient exam, and her, her child's on the spectrum, and her child's seven years old and taking several different medications. And you know, guess what she said? Did she say, I'm super excited about my kid on this medicine and this medicine and this medicine. I want him on this because this is just doing such a great job. No. She said, this stuff like makes my kid a zombie. It changes the whole personality. I don't want my kid to be on medicine because if she's starting it now when she's seven, what's she gonna be like when she's a teenager? What more medications is she's gonna be on, right? And you take any sort of ADHD medicine, it doesn't last. The effects, now I will tell you from all the studies it says, in the beginning those ADHD medicines, they will make a big difference because those kids are going like this and become super focused because all the distraction out there seems to go away. But it doesn't last. It doesn't last because it's not fixing the problem. Right? The problem isn't a lack of Ritalin or Concerta or Stratera or Methylphenidate or all these other drugs that are out there for ADHD. The problem is there's a disconnection in their brain. And that's what I told her yesterday. I said, your child has a disconnected brain and I'm gonna prove it to you. And we did our primal reflexes, we did our eye exams, we did all these other things. And I said, and at the end I'm like, can you see how your child is disconnected? Yes. I said, what she said, so, so then your job is to reconnect. I said, exactly. That is my job is to reconnect the disconnection. To reconnect the disconnected kids, as Melilla would talk about. And then this other article comes out a few days ago on Atlantic Ma- from Atlantic Magazine. Why American teens are so sad. Four forces that are propelling the rising rate of depression among young people. So now we're seeing that our young people have depression and anxiety. And do you think, like, do you think anywhere in there they're saying, well, what they really should be doing is like getting adjusted, exercising more, and eating right? Right? That's not their recommendations. Right? And most of the time, recognition for depression and anxiety is this, these people need medication. Now, <clears throat> I'm not even going to talk about the issues with, with antidepressants and anti-anxiety uh, medications, except to say something like um, the, the kids at Columbine and a lot of these other high school shooters tend to be taking a lot of them. Because uh, if you look at some of the side effects, we had a, one of my, uh, one of my uh, interns, uh, one of my patients was um, writing a, in college, and she was writing a report about uh, uh, violence in America. And I kind of, she showed me her paper, and I said, this is a really good paper, but I think you need to add one thing, and that is the side effects of the medication these kids want. 
Because if you go on the, the side of it, if you look at antidepressants uh, and on things like Ritalin, there are black box warnings on these things that say there might be suicide ideation and there might be disinhibition. Disinhibition means <coughs> to not have any inhibitions, which means all of a sudden the things that would like your brain normally stops and slows down and says, maybe prefrontal cortex executive function says, maybe we shouldn't do that kind of behavior. The brain doesn't do that. So do you think that's what the answer is to this? Now I don't know why chiropractic for the last you know 120 something years has pigeonholed in itself into saying we're back being fixed rubbers. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a back pain disruptor. That's a great thing. And there's a 80% of people at some point in time in life that statistics show people have some kind of back pain. So that's a lovely thing. But that's where we're stuck. Right? Why can't we? This is what I would hope that all of us are trying to change. Is trying to get the kids to depressed trying to get the kids with action, trying to get the kids with ADHD, trying to get the kids with autism, trying to get the kids with learning disorders. Kids with learning disorders. We've had kids come into the, into the practice who have learned, who say, oh, this kid's got some serious learning disorders, ADHD. And I look at their eyes, and one eye is like this, esotropic like this. I try to track it, they can't track it. I try to accommodate it, they can't accommodate it. I'm like, of course the kids got learning disorder. No wonder they have learning disorder. Their eyes aren't focusing on the paper. And I, I, ask, them, I ask the kids, no, you like reading? Well, no. That's a bad answer to a question. But some kid is in school, do you like reading? No. And mom's like, yes, you do. They always say, yes, you do. No, I don't like reading. And so I said, well, why don't you like reading? What's well, hard? Okay, why is it hard? Like, once you get it, it's just like swimming. It's not hard, right? Once you, but that means they haven't gotten it. Right? You get a 10-year-old who's in like third grade and says reading is hard. Something is going on. So okay, so why is it hard? I don't know, it's just hard. I'm like, well, what happens when you read? Right? And you have to dig, ask the question. What happens when you read? Well, you know, it's hard to follow the words. Now my brain, right, I'm saying the words ain't going anywhere. Right? You look, unless you're on like a, a ship or something on the high seas, right, or you're in the car, bouncing like this, those words aren't moving, right? You look, if the book is right here on the desk or on your phone and nothing's moving, then the, the words aren't going anywhere. But what does that mean? It means that the brain's not processing things, right? And a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, he's got perfect vision. We've already taken him to an optometrist, ophthalmologist, he's got perfect vision. Okay. Vision isn't the problem. Whether they can see E, C, K, T, all that kind of stuff is not the issue here. It's the processing, right? It's that they're grabbing information like this, figuring out what that is is in the brain. You can see the information, but you can't figure out what it is. And the words are jumping on the page, or the letters are turning around, or something like that. So <clears throat> that's what a lot of this learning disorder is. But most of the time, what they're, what they're, what they're trying to take care of is, well, let me give them medicine for the brain to help slow their brain down. But that doesn't fix the eyes. You know, I've seen kids say, like, I have, I, well, my problem is the reason I have any kids is I have a thought processing disorder. And they, they, every time they talk to you, they look up like this. I'm like, can you look at me? Look at me. And they look at me, and they, they, they can't look at me for too long. I'm like, what are you looking at? And I'm not even being what are you looking at? And I can't help myself. My eyes are always moving. No, no, it's not you can't help yourself. It's your eyes were never trained. 
Your eyes are going to be trained. For whatever reason, your eyes are weak, and we have to train them. And that's what we have to do. As, as pediatric chiropractors, my point is, is I want to make sure that the kids in my office feel confident that they can do the things that people have told them they can't. Right? We have a kid you know, who has all kinds of anxiety and depression sort of issues. So what I've been doing with this person is I, have, I, I found this like hard deck of kid affirmations. I'm beautiful, I'm smart, and I'm happy, and I accept things as they are, and I'm strong, and I, she comes in, and I fan out these cards upside down, and I say, pick a card, right? And I'm teaching this kid how to use affirmations. Because nobody is doing this for them, right? My job as a chiropractor isn't just to push on backs. Matter of fact, backs aren't exactly the most exciting thing in the world. And to me, what's exciting is the brain. The brain is super exciting because the brain is what connects to the spine. And when you reconnect, a disconnected kid is because you're turning on the brain. This mama of the child on the spectrum we came in yesterday, when she left, she hugged me and she said, I am so excited to get started. You have given me hope where nobody else has given me hope. You've shown me what's going on with my kid's brain that I didn't know before, that nobody else, all the specialists, and they've been to Marcus Autism Center, they've been here, here, nobody else has shown me and done the things that you did. And here I am just some character. Right? And that's why I want you to get that out of your head, that you're just a character. You're not just a character. Right? You are a brain-based chiropractor, a brain-based chiropractor that can change kids' lives, that can reconnect these disconnected kids, or reconnect disconnected adults, or reconnect with disconnected athletes, or reconnect with disconnected weekend warriors, or you know, whatever. I don't care what it is. Even if even all your adult patients are still disconnecting and reconnecting these disconnected people. Because to me that's exciting. To, 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 I, my, my reach is far. It's not about how do you feel. When a patient comes into my office, we don't say, how are you feeling today? Because I know you asked that in the clinic, and I know you're supposed to, it's a CC rule. Fine, go ahead, keep it up. But in my office, we don't follow CC rules. In my office, it's no, how are you feeling today? What, please rate your pain scale from one to 10. I'm not interested. That's not what I'm looking for. We don't have that conversation. If they, trust me, if they want to tell you about their pain, they'll tell you about their pain. But I said, Michael, hey, how are you doing? You got a good weekend? How's the week going? Is it a beautiful day? I don't want to talk about all this other stuff. Then talk about their pain. Because if the first thing you do when they come to see you is, how's your pain? Then they think you're for what? Pain. So my conversation is about pain. My conversation with them is about life. It's about life. And I'm always going back to their brain, talking about their brain, how let's connect their brain. And I, I, I sound like a broken record to most of these people, but I don't care. Because they keep on coming back, and they come back with something different, right? And if you want to succeed in this world, you better separate yourself. You better separate yourself. There's plenty of people out there talking about back pain. There's plenty of, there's, there's chiropractors talking about back pain, and there's physiotherapists talking about back pain, and there's massage therapists talking about back pain, and there's orthopedic surgeons talking about back pain, and there's, there's uh, osteopaths talking about back pain, and there's yoga instructors talking about back pain, and there's Pilates instructors talking about back pain. You can, there's domes, and there's goodies, back pain powder that I've never heard of before until I moved down here, right? Sitting on the counter of QT. 
There's, you can talk, back pain is everywhere. Back pain is like, mm. That's like, so, and like you go to some, you go to a chiropractor, and they, they make your back feel better, which is good, it's a good thing, right? That's like going to McDonald's, to me. Going to McDonald's. You don't tell anybody I'm a great left to McDonald's. Wow. You know, it's amazing. I went to McDonald's in Arkansas, and it was the same as it is here. Yeah, because that's what McDonald's is. It's the same, right? You, you go there with an expectation that this is going to be what a Big Mac tastes like. The Big Mac tastes exactly as you thought it would be. And you don't tell anybody. Right? When do, you, when do you rave about things? You rave about things like completely different. Like, wow, this is, I never expected this before. That's how you build a practice. When you have raving fans right from the get go, instead of just looking, let me just look at your posture. Okay, let me you know, do your raving motion. That's not a chiropractic exam. That's part of a chiropractic exam. That's not a chiropractic exam. That's a little bit of a chiropractic exam. Are you taking the brain into account? Are you, are you teaching the patient that if their posture is like, like we had a, a pregnant mom came in this patient, and I put her shoulders on the like this, her hip is high like this, her pelvis is forward like this, her head is forward. I said, do you know that your brain thinks that's normal? Do you know that, do you realize that? Your body, you wake up in the morning and your body goes like this, and it goes into this position, and it thinks it's normal. That's not normal. And you're only 15 weeks or 20 weeks pregnant. What do you think is going to happen to that body when you're 30 weeks pregnant? With the pelvis pushed out like this and the shoulder like this, hip like this. That's not going to be good. I'm so glad you're here right now. So that we can avoid those kind of issues later on. Make sure your pelvis does the most root. Make sure your brain and nervous system is working ideally so you have the best pregnancy and the best possible labor you can have. Right? That's to me something different. She's leaving like, yes, I can't wait to get started. That's what we want. We want raving fans from the beginning. And the, to me, the way we make raving fans from the beginning is we start at a different beginning. So my suggestion to you is when you guys are in clinic, start practicing this concept. Talk, you got nothing to lose now, right? You got, this is what you should be practicing. Don't say, well, yeah, good, Dr. Rue, that's good stuff. I'll do that when I graduate. No, no, you, you'll forget this by the time you graduate. Do it now. Even in student clinic, bore your, your fellow students with conversation. Like, do your stuff you have to do. Watch your pain scale on the brain from one to ten. Do your stuff you're supposed to do, and then talk about chiropractic in the brain. And practice it. And maybe you and your other students that you're adjusting or whatever, you can kind of say, how did, I do, how did I do it? Does that sound good? Does that make sense? Should I, is it too long, too short? Or should I add? Practice this now. So that when you get out, you're going to know what to do. Practice this when you meet people and you're, you know, you're on the line at Kroger's and someone's sitting there writing a check and it's taking two and a half hours to, manager, please come to transfer number two. Because now they have to have to approve the check, right? You're sitting there. So talk to them. Right, and if you're talking, you have a conversation with them. I'm talking about chiropractic, but don't just talk about back pain. You know, chiropractors are, 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 are brain-based. The whole point of chiropractic is to, be, is to make sure the brain and the body are working together through the spine. Right, the spine is our conduit. The spine is our, our entry in. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Every time I go to a chiropractor, they just crack my back. Yeah, that's, they will work on your back. Because that's where, but that's, that's, just the, that's just the entry level. That's just like the beginning. 
you know, point. The, the, the real work takes place after the adjustment when your brain and your body start to work better together, right? The work isn't just this crunching like this. That's why someone who says, like, that's all? That's all you're gonna do? That's it? Just that one or two, three thrusts on my back, and that's all, you know, three pops, and that's it? No, that's just the beginning, right? The adjustment begins when my hands leave your body. Right? So I go like this, or I use an activator, or whatever it is you use, right? The adjustment begins the moment my hands are gone. Because now the body starts doing the work. That's when the real adjustment is taking place, right? So you're not paying for the couple of seconds of thrust. You're paying for the hours, days, weeks, months, and years worth of how the brain is now functioning better because of that thrust, right? And your patients need to understand that. So why are, are American teens so sad? Maybe, maybe it's because they're not getting adjusted, they're eating like crap, they're not moving very much, and they're sitting on smartphones for six, seven hours a day. Right, so I can't fix the smartphone issue, right? I can't make that go away. I could probably recommend exercises and, and eating you know, better and stuff, but I certainly can get the chiropractic going. I watch kids' lives change because we are reconnecting with this connection. Thank <clears throat> you.